Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 187. Uh, it's also the first episode of 2024, so if you've been listening for a while, thank you. Um, huge shout out to you for, you know, sticking around. Um, on this episode, I've got an incredible conversation with Mark Cortez of the band Hungover, and Mark and I got into quite a bit of stuff. Uh, <laughs> everything from just the Orlando music scene, which I've been talking to a lot of the artists down there recently, uh, because it's just fucking on fire. Um, we talked about mental health a little bit. Uh, we're going to do a different episode, a Musicians for Mental Health episode with Mark and, you know, kind of deep dive some of those things. But Mark was open enough and vulnerable enough to mention a near-death experience that he had, which also correlates into the new record, um, which is dropping very, very soon, uh, in about a little over a month, I guess. Um, but it is called When It Touches the Heart, Everything Resolves. It's going to be fucking dope. There's some singles out now, so go check them out. There's a single coming up that you need to be ready for everything. Uh, and yeah, just had a great time talking to Mark really enjoyed what we were able to discuss and getting the insight of a band that was getting some notoriety, uh, previously and, you know, took a hiatus, the pandemic happened and now they're, they're kind of coming back into this scene, this arena, if you will, as it's starting to explode and getting the right eyes on it. And I think it's this really cool time for them. So let's do it. Let's dive in. This is my conversation with Mark from the band Hungover. So now that we've had a, a little bit of time to talk, uh, let's dive in with the Kind of the basic boring ass uh, opening question because I just refuse to sit and think of a better one. Let's do the introduction, man. Who are you? Little background on yourself and kind of why we're having this talk. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm in a band called Hungover. I sing, um, and after a little bit of a hiatus, uh, we've come back and we have like a new energy, and with that new energy came new music and a new record, and uh, my life kind of revolves around that right now. Yeah, awesome. Um, so the the hiatus and return, I definitely wanted to talk about because you guys are in this. I just I just talked to Felicity last night. I just <laughs> talked to Mark from four hundred eight a couple weeks ago. Dude, Grace I did a Zane deep down dive there. Yeah, right before right before I always like look up the publication before we do something. Uh, so all those people you just mentioned, uh, we've toured with Charlie from. Yep. Force pick when he was in space. Flying a bunch of times. And I just scrolled and I was like, homies, 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 homies. <laughs> like, so crazy. Yeah. So, like, what I just talked to Felicity about uh, last night literally was this, the Orlando music scene, man. Like, what the fuck is going on down there? It is on fire. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it's something's in the water for sure. Um, I want to credit a lot of the... Uh, all the musicians are great. 
you can throw a rock and hit a good songwriter probably it's right. it's kind of nuts um like i saw in that felicity video they mentioned 408 mag park meet me at the altar all these people um but there's also so many incredible producers mm -hmm. that it's like so the audio compound you have andrew wade andy karpovic um how Hoffer is really awesome. I've worked with him on a bunch of stuff. Uh, Sean Dolich, he's out in Daytona, but he worked on our record that we just did. He wrote on the broadside record. Um, he's in Mood Ring. He like just I could go on and on and on and on and on. It's just like when there are enough people in the same area with talent who want it that are also willing to help each other. It's bound to be good. Like it's not that crazy to imagine like a. Felicity 408 hungover like that kind of bill and mm -hmm. see it and go like oh is this a tour package like no it's just like a one-off in Orlando right. it uh just one hand washes the other and like it's really cool that like not a lot of people suck <laughs> like, yeah. like it's nice when everybody gets along and you're like oh like we have things in common and we can vibe and everybody just wants to help out you know I think that has a lot to do with it yeah, and that that's similar to what Andrew from Felicity was saying last night too. Is like, there's obviously there's ego, right? Because there has to be. It's music, but he's he was making the comment that you know, like, even with all the ego, if you will, none of it is negative towards anybody else. It's all this positive, healthy competition, and it's like, okay, you guys did that, cool. We're gonna try to one up you out of fun and yeah. do this other thing, and. Um, you know, just the amount of guest vocals that are available down there between, you know, Mag Park, the guys in Felicity, Grayson, you guys, like, it's so rich of an environment. It It's really like, I think it's funny because again, having done music journalism for 20 years, Florida's always had talent, but it gets overlooked for the New Yorks and the LAs and, you know, all these other places. And it's like, but have y'all like slowed down and really looked at the bands that come out of Florida? Because it's nuts. Yeah. It's, it's, and as long as I could, as long as I've known about local music, the bands have all been incredible. Like even like out of high school, um, I remember I had a bunch of friends in this band Broadway that I eventually went on to, to play with. And that's how I met Sean, who's in our band. Um, it went from local churches, like VFW type situations to, all of a sudden they're on fuse and it was like before that it was a day to remember like before that it was under like it's there's always just been these like marquee bands and then everybody not necessarily follows in the footsteps but like they'll help each other out and then i think even last year i believe it was a day to remember and under oath are doing like one-off shows at the house of blues orlando selling out like three nights in a row you know yeah so like that camaraderie sticks around and i it's it's really really crazy it's like uh it's like being the fan of a winning sports franchise <laughs> right yeah which you know i'm gonna dog on you florida hasn't had one of those in a while so <laughs> yeah. it's it's rough i'm actually uh i'm from like long island uh okay queen's border yep um so i'm uh a mets fan which isn't winning at all i was gonna say that wasn't better um, uh <laughs> The Islanders have gotten to the playoffs a couple times over there the last few years. Yep. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It all sucks. <laughs> like, I, it's all I really can't dog on anybody, though, because 
I'm a Cubs fan and short of this last world series that we won, like a hundred plus years, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. a saints fan. It was always, let's get to the dance, but we're not going to take it. How do you become a Cubs fan and a saints fan? So I'm, I'm based out of central Indiana. My grandmother okay. was always a Cubs fan growing up. So that just became Makes the sense. team that I watched. Uh, and then Drew Brees went to Purdue, which is like 45 minutes away from where I grew up. So God. seeing him at Purdue and then it carried over into to the Saints. That makes um, sense. Yeah. But I get shit on all the time because people are like, you guys, you have the Pacers, you have, you know, the Colts. There's so yeah. many other teams you could be fans of. No, nope. I'm good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like the the audio compound for people that aren't familiar, let's talk about that a little bit, because I think the misconception is that it's this generic name given to like, oh, it's just their version of like the Nashville songwriting circles. It's not at all. No. Like it is such a unique collaborative adventure that you guys are in. What's what's kind of that like in, in the mentality that goes into working in that group? So what's interesting about us is we kind of went the opposite way that everybody in Orlando goes. This last record and the record prior, we didn't go to the audio compound. Um, okay. But we have worked there before. I've done guest vocals there before for other bands. Um, and actually, Hungover has existed as a band in general for like a decade. And we worked on an EP with our old singer, uh, with Andy Karpovic, when uh, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a, a building. It was in their house, um, which was super crazy because you had Andy, this like budding newer producer, and then down the hall while we're working on our EP as a local band, there's Wage War working on their first record and Jeremy McKinnon is yeah. producing it. And it's just one of those situations to where like, you never really know who you're gonna go run into when you're at the audio compound. Um, you never know who's gonna pop in. You never like, and it's just a matter of like, sometimes you make an impression on someone, sometimes you make a connection. Um, and it's just, it's crazy to see the amount of successful work that they've produced, like, as a, it's just, it's two of them. Like, they have people come in and help or whatever sometimes. Yeah. But, like, the two head honchos, and, like, I can name so many projects that have come out over the last couple of years. Like, all the Mag Park projects, Felicity, uh, Brave Weather is probably one of my favorite local bands, if not my favorite uh, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's just like, it's undeniable that I don't know what it is exactly that they do that makes everything so different and so polished and so just exactly what it needs to be. But it's it almost seems like they have it down to a science. Like, I've never thought about an audio company as dynastic until like yeah. the audio compound it's crazy um they just they have a good team over there and it's a great space and it's just freaking cool man yeah well and like you know the the feel that i get this is going to be big ups to them we don't have to keep bragging on them but um they've kind of got the neil avron feel now right like neil in the early 2000s anything pop punk it went through neil's hands yeah, And now it feels like that's what the audio compound is really, especially with the Florida-based bands. But just in general, it seems like Andy and, and everyone in that area is like getting their fingers on stuff and it's just elevating the scene so much. Yeah, 100%. I remember at some point, uh, 
I, I'm paraphrasing here because this was so long ago. But at one point, I got a text message from Andy that was like, our working relationship is inevitable. <laughs> it's just like, like, dude, like the way that it was worded and the swagger, I was like, damn, dude. <laughs> like, I guess it is. Like, yeah. this, this, that's the way you charm someone, you know? Like, it just makes sense. And like, some people like can only work with certain uh, artists or producers or vice versa or whatever. They yeah. really seem like they have a handle on like meeting you where you are and then elevating your project. So, it's just so cool that what they're doing yeah. is so awesome. Yeah. Um, so for you, you know, going through the hiatus, a pandemic hitting in Florida, hitting the world, but, you know, Florida was affected pretty heavily with some of the lockdowns that you guys had and some of the obvious controversy we don't have to get into the politics of. But uh, what was it like, you know, kind of going through that and that decision that, you know, the the band needs to to take hold again so what was really interesting was we were kind of experiencing some growing pains uh maybe a year before the pandemic we had just done like a ton of diy touring uh we kind of ran out of money uh we were running out of gas and when you're tired and all that yeah we were writing but it wasn't at the rate that we were writing before and uh about a year before the pandemic started, I found out I was going to have a daughter. So that changes everything. I have to adjust. I have to step up financially. I have to uh, reprioritize my life. It probably would not be becoming of me to spend the next six months in a van, you know? So I kind of had to be honest with the guys and like, Hey, like, I don't know what I can handle. Um, we can record as much as possible before this happens so that we have content in the can. But like, I'm kind of going to need you guys to like fill in my gaps, you know, like while, while I do this, because I'm not going to be able to put my full attention uh, into this project the way that I have in the past. So we all chill. We met up in the studio a couple times. Uh, we ended up losing two guys. Uh, one guy, bef- one guy, Austin, our old bass player before the pandemic started. And then Evan left after like a session or two, uh during the pandemic uh but we got to spend a lot of time with ourselves and with our family like you know you're kind of forced to to be on your own and i did a couple of those like uh instagram live shows acoustic in this room actually i did a bunch Mm -hmm. of them uh and i just realized while i had all this time on my hands that i didn't think i was gonna have that i started writing more and that writing kind of turned into a record and the same with the other guys so then maybe after maybe like six months of being in the pandemic, we were like, okay, like we kind of know what we're dealing with now. Um, I'm actually a barber as a day job. So like, I was like, I'm getting out of the world. I'm wearing a mask at work. And like, I haven't gotten sick yet. feel comfortable. Um, maybe let's like slowly start chipping away at this again and see how it feels. So Sean would go and, and demo and track all his parts, do his thing. Then I would go. Then we would send them to Gabe and he would like talk about what he wanted for drums. But we weren't really getting together all at the same time. It was like one at a time, wait a couple of weeks, another one at a time. And then uh, we started to realize like these the songs were really good. And uh, we were having fun just talking about them and like looking forward to the future. And all of a sudden I had plans for what I wanted to call the record, what I want the vibe to be, what I want the live show to look like. 
uh, and it's just like, well, we have to do something with this, and uh, we kind of have like a, a record label obligation. So let's put out a record, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it turns out legally binding contracts are important. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and not, not that that was the reasoning, but it's like, all right, like we're kind of set up to do this, so let's just do it. Um, yeah. So we started working on that, and everything really started to roll, and we became really critical of ourselves. And at this point, we realized it's been four years since we've really put out a whole body of work. Let's do our best to make absolutely sure that this is the best product that we could deliver to our listeners. So then all of a sudden, we're re-recording demos. Then we're re-recording demos again. So like the final version of the record that's about to come out has been recorded probably four times over. Um, and like parts are Frankenstein and all this stuff. Um, but... It was, it's just, it's nuts to be like, it was a lifetime ago that we decided to take a break and then the world shit the bed. And then, uh, the break got even longer than we thought it was going to be. We never really like broke up, but we were right. just like, we're going to put a bookmark in this and, uh, we might have to reread some stuff later, but we're going to finish the book, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and it just, it was so weird. Cause I feel like people hate when i use this as a, as a an analogy but do you ever watch dragon ball z dude so my favorite anime growing up it was my entry okay. anime so do you remember the episode episodes <clears throat> uh where goku and gohan are in the hyperbolic time chamber yep. and it's a year on the inside and a day on the outside yep so i feel like that's what the pandemic did to us like it was a year of like chilling but like inside the hungover hyperbolic time chamber we all aged about 10 years and uh like you said before there's always ego involved in music but we developed like a more healthy ego and uh there was less people in the band so we became more decisive as a unit just because there's less voices you know yeah um and uh it just it felt like maybe the band wouldn't still be a band if we would have just kept going like we wouldn't have had the time to take to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and go like, here's where our issues were. This is how the band should have functioned the whole time. Um, and we had to take a bunch of steps back to, to see that. But now we can finally move forward knowing that this is how it should work. Yeah, it's one of those things where it always feels gross to think about the band as a business, but that's what it is, right? So like, when you take a step back and realize like, okay, to your point earlier, we're, we're running out of gas physically, emotionally, and literally on the road. We're starting to run out of money. Like we have to figure out how to make this profitable yeah. for not only my money because we live in, you know, capitalist America, but yeah. also like internally, how is this profitable to me? Does it give me a fuel and a passion or is it just sucking the life out of me and I'm not having fun anymore? Yeah. hundred percent. And, uh, I feel like a lot of bands fail because they start to get jaded and then they're just doing it because they feel like they're supposed to do it and they don't know what else to do. Um, and they know they love playing music, but maybe the situation's not working. Um, but now it, it is more so the punk thing to do to talk about your feelings and be right. open and express or whatever. But maybe 10 years ago, uh, when there was a little more of a stigma 
uh, about mental health and emotional well-being and all that stuff, maybe you don't talk about what the problems are. Um, but I feel like we arrived at a place, especially through the pandemic, where it was just easier to get those things out and get them sorted. And once you're good on a personal level, it's way easier to approach the business and go like, okay, obviously this is not working. Um, mm -hmm. And so we played a anniversary show for Wilt in April and we hadn't played a show since I think it had been like a year and a half. It had been a long time. Yeah. Uh, and it was like the most profitable show we've ever had. It was insane. Like, and I was like, Oh, if you just look at what you're doing wrong and then you change all that stuff, it's better. <laughs> like, weird, it's right? Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> what was it like, you know, coming to those realizations? Because like you said, like on a punk scale, there are definitely bands that are, they don't want to admit, like, maybe this isn't the project, you know, like, yeah. I've got the talent, but maybe this isn't the project. What's it like coming to that realization? Not that this isn't the project, but that we've kind of fucked the system up and we need to reprogram what we're doing. Um, it's interesting because I don't think any of us ever had the feeling that this wasn't the project. Um, like I've always felt really good about songs, like sonically, like where hungover exists. I've always felt like we were in the right place, uh, for what we want and like where the market is. Like I've always felt like we were competitive. Um, competitive might not be the best word, but like we could we could stack up with our contemporaries. Yeah. Um, but I think initially we're all kind of coming from the standpoint of uh how do I word this? The songs are good and that's it. That's all we need. The songs are good and we play hard, and like that's it. <laughs> and uh I think that was just naivety, you know, like I think we had to make some of those mistakes to end up uh, being able to recognize them and to have that perspective. Cause if we would have just kept doing the same thing that, uh, that was kind of working, but not really working. Like it, we would have burned out a lot faster. So yeah. it was, it was cool that we were all at a point where we were like, we could go, we're approaching burnout, but uh we're not quite there yet. So let's stop before like, we get right. super, super burned out. Um, but it's, it's, it's just weird. It's a weird place to be. It's a, it's a weird place to articulate, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, with a point that you just made, you know, a lot of artists, I feel like do have that feeling of like, well, the music's good. If I post it, you know, it's out on streaming services, it's on YouTube, whatever, like, I'll be found. It'll be good. Like everything. If you build good. it, they will come. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately in the music industry, especially nowadays, because of how easy it is to put out music, that's not the case. Like if you're not out there marketing and hustling a little bit, you're just going to be lost in the mud. And I think you have to get real lucky, real, yeah. real lucky. Yeah. And that, you know, like thinking back, I forget who I was talking to about this a while back, but like Justin Bieber's don't happen anymore. Right. Like, that kid got super lucky, happened to have one viral video, and boom, the world blew up for him. Dude. That shit does not happen. <laughs> I remember, uh, have you ever been to Central Florida before? Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with Celebration? I've heard of it. I've not been there, but I know roughly where you're talking. So it was literally a Disney town. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and it looks like it. It looks like you're in like the Halloween Town movie or something. Like it's right. it's like painfully suburban. Uh, <laughs> but they used to. I don't know if they still do. Shut down the main street and barricade it off, and they would have these gigantic concerts, usually like Radio Disney or whatever. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I was dating a girl who was obsessed with Justin Bieber. Like right when he came out, he's playing this free show at celebration i was like oh that's cool um let's go like i was expecting like a thousand two thousand people just because it was like a a free thing you know yeah we pull up it's right after that first like super viral hit i don't I, it was baby maybe i don't, I don't yeah really baby remember. baby baby or whatever the fuck yeah. that was yeah um i don't that might have not even been like the big song but like the big song had just come out um and we got there early because we wanted to be close up and I remember turning around after like 20 minutes of standing there and it was people as far, it looked like Woodstock. <laughs> like there yeah. were so many people. And it's just like, it almost, obviously it wasn't an overnight sensation. Like there's so much work that goes into right getting a project there. But like, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, how are there this many people on Main Street in celebration? Like, where did they park? How did, like, literally, how did they get here? All these people had the drive to show up to this thing because they're in love with this 14 year old kid. Like it just blew my mind. Like what a, what a moment in pop music. Yeah. But, and one that hasn't really been replicated, right? Like there've been like it, I don't mean this to be offensive to anybody. There've been flashes in the pan, right? Like yeah. Olivia Rodrigo is incredible. She's got great talent. She's doing very well, but like she was one that kind of, it seemed like, Oh shit, here's our next Justin Bieber moment. Like she's going to yeah. blow up. And then it was like, oh, no, this is going to be a slow climb. That's okay. We're good with that. So I think it's interesting because, you know, she's of the right age where streaming has been around the whole the whole time. Mm. And, you know, you get into this thing where people latch on to that one song and that's all they care about. So then it starts to trail off a little bit. And you're like, okay, well, now I have to just chase, you know, million stream music but how do i do that yeah that was a so that was really that kind of ties into something that we did when we were picking out singles um i teased i made a mistake and i apologize to everyone who listens to our band (laughs) and found us on tiktok uh about a year ago we posted out or we posted uh, a teaser of shake it off and i did not know there's no way i could have known that people were going to be so about this song and it was like a second mix of like four mixes. I was yeah. just like so frustrated. It was taking so long to get the project out. I posted a tweet that said, I'm so excited about this record. I'm just going to start leaking it on TikTok. And Smart Punk liked it. And I was like, that's all the validation I need. I'm <laughs> posting teasers, baby. Yep. Um, and for the next year, people would continue to go back to that video and ask, uh, where is this song? Where is this song? coming back to see if this song is out. Where is this song? And when we started picking out singles, we knew that that would be a single for obvious reasons. Right. Um, and we were picking them out and I was like, I want to pick out, put, put shake it out off, shake it off out first because like it's popping on TikTok right now. And Matt Burns or A&R was like, bad idea. And I was like, why? He goes, let's put out one other song first so that when you put out shake it off, they immediately have another new song to go to and then they'll discover the rest of your discography. And I was like, I hate how right that is because I wanted to put it out 
so bad, but it like it gave us something to build towards a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, and I th- I think that's it too. Is you know a lot of artists um, of of varying sizes are so quick to put out here's a new track, and then people love it. You know, um, we were just talking. Was that my my conversation with Mark from Four Hundred Eight? You know, the the attention span of people they listen to that song for a week, two weeks straight, and then they go, "Okay, I need something new." And you don't yeah. have anything else to give them. And it's like, not that you should be releasing music every two weeks. Don't anybody fucking do that. Yeah. But <laughs> when you when there's no like backlog and catalog of stuff that they can go, well, that that one was dope. They probably have some other stuff. Let's go dig. You know, if you're that's what go ahead. Oh, no, I was ahead. just gonna say if you if you're just dropping a single as a like, hey, our band's brand new, here's our single, probably not the best format to do it. Yeah, that's what was so exciting about TikTok when we started using it. We were a little late to the game. Um, I posted one time on our Instagram story. I was like, hey, we have a TikTok if you guys want to follow it. I think we got 50 followers that day, you know, like nothing too crazy. And I never posted about it on any other social again. Uh, So all the followers we've gotten on TikTok from that original 50 have been, and it's not like a crazy number or anything, but it's all been organic. It's all been through hashtags. It's all been through interactions, people tagging us uh, in stuff, people tagging their friends in the comments. It's all 100% organic. So we it kind of gave our old songs a new life because, yeah, we have this whole audience on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter that we've already established and we know that they're going to come back to the music. But now there's this whole new audience of people who are discovering the music for the first time and are having like exciting conversations about it and all that stuff. And it's it's exciting as a, as a songwriter to go like, oh, like this isn't dead yet. Like there's still life in this. It could still yeah. be discovered. Um, it's cra- I have some some buddies uh, in a band called Coyote Theory. Um, mm-hmm. They had a huge viral hit, uh, I think two years ago on TikTok out of nowhere. What's crazy is they wrote the songs when we were 16. The songs came out when we were 17. And then they broke up because they saw a lot of success really quickly. And 17-year-olds can't handle that on their own. So 12, 13 years later, all of a sudden, they have a viral song. They're getting a certified gold record. <laughs> like, And it's it's all because someone shared something on TikTok and it just steamrolled. And it's just so crazy how... Uh, people can rediscover or not rediscover it can discover your stuff for the first time and it's new to them and i think that's right. something that's important uh to keep in mind as an artist in 2023 is like yes as important it is as it is to be moving towards the next thing and the next thing and the next thing if you only focus on that new thing you might miss someone who that song on the last ep might have been their favorite song ever and now they're never going to hear it so right. I don't know. It's so, it's so, it's like the wild west for sure. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the, the fucking algorithms, man. Nobody. It's my least favorite word. Right. <laughs> like, favorite word. It's a dirty cause word. Because there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, I know on the back end from a software development standpoint, there is some fucking formula. Yeah. But 
the fact that there's no way to truly figure out on our side, the consumer side or the creator side, like, hey, this is what you need to do. Yeah. And it's these specific things that matter, you know, like the number of hashtags you use, which hashtags you use. This is what, you know, we can kind of track the analytics of like some of the hashtags, but posting times and stuff. Yeah, but that's not really fixing the fucking algorithm for us. <laughs> and how is a human? I mean, I know there are apps that like can schedule posts or whatever the case is. How as a human are you going? It's six thirty. I have to post right now. Like it's so difficult to be on top of it. And then I've heard people say you need to be posting three, four times a day. I've heard people say once a day is fine. I've heard people say you can't miss a single day. I've heard people say like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Exist many hashtags. Exist many. And it's, I've never heard the same thing twice. It's right. always different. It's always mixed up. And it's so, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, for me, honestly, I just started using TikTok to, you know, break up some of the, the podcast into clips and things like yeah. that. And so like last night I posted one. Uh, it was a clip of Mark from 408 within an hour, 800 plus views, you know, like it, it, it's taken off. I post one today at like 11. It's at like 50 fucking views, man. Like it yeah. missed everything. And it's like, what, what's the difference here? Other what than is the consistency? Time. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's crazy. And there's all those, you know, multimedia companies that, Oh, you, Give us, you know, thousands of dollars a month and we'll make sure that your shit goes viral. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. No I ain't spending that. <laughs> yeah, no shot. No, the only way that they're doing it is you've got some, you know, click farm in yeah. Central Asia somewhere that that's all they do is send that link to them and they all click it. And Which is crazy. I've never understood that. I was in a band <laughs> I did not name right now. Um, and I was so naive at the time, and all they wanted was to be like this big rise core band. And uh, I remember, I was like, "Holy crap!" Like I knew that we were starting to do well, but we have ten thousand views on this lyric video. Like, how the heck did we get that? I didn't find out until like six months later that like they were like paid for views, mm -hmm. and it never. I was like, "One, that's stupid." Like we're a local band from central Florida. Like no one thinks that we actually got that. You know what I mean? I guess like right. for optic at first, it looks good, but two, like we could have spent money on so many other things, <laughs> like instead yeah. of some YouTube views, like that's crazy. Well, and you know, that's something I've, I've warned, you know, the, the youth of today about, I feel so old when I say that shit, 38, whatever. Um, but like you, you can pay for, instagram likes and you know followers and all this shit and it's like okay that's cool if the numbers all that matters to you go do it but yeah. the difference is you know and i think this ties into the pop punk realm especially you can buy followers it's easy you get offers all the time they're never going to interact with your shit they're not real yeah. people they're they don't matter i would much rather have a hundred consistent people that are engaging with my stuff, talking about it, sharing it, whatever, um, and build organically, like you were saying earlier, because those people are what matter. Like if you were to be in a band with a shitload of, you know, Oh, we've got 2 million Instagram followers. Okay, cool. 
why are they all from Taiwan, the Philippines, yeah. China? Like, where where are we supposed to send you to tour? You have 53 people that like you in your hometown. That's it. Yeah. What um what I thought has been really interesting about coming back from this hiatus is uh because we weren't as active on socials, our reach isn't as strong as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I only really want to pay for ads if we're like pushing something that is on sale like when the record is finally available for people to purchase ads 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 like no problem because i want to make sure that the people who follow us know that this is happening um and sometimes it kind of feels like social media is like playing defense on you like so that you can't get to your actual followers it's like all new people yeah so it's harder to engage uh it's harder to engage with the audience that you've already established. But so, for example, Shake It Off is streaming not as well as we have had stuff stream, but we also didn't get any Spotify playlisting. We got like an Apple Music playlist, which is cool, but you can't really see what the streams are like from that, yeah. um, which is kind of frustrating. Apple Music, if you're listening, please fix that. <laughs> but uh, what I found interesting is before when we looked at our analytics, it would say 15 streams this week from Birmingham, 20 streams from Atlanta. Now the list of cities is smaller, but the streams are higher, which is telling me that the people that we're getting to are listening more frequently and are actually enjoying the stuff. And once they get to a certain amount of listens or whatever, and it triggers the algorithm and something spikes, Maybe it will get suggested to people through Spotify radio. Maybe it will get suggested through the uh, algorithmic playlist. And like, that's what I want. And I think that's where you fa- find longevity. Um, like, for example, the the few songs that we've had do very, very well on Spotify. Um, those have continued to have a life past what I really feel like they should have because of the algorithmic playlist and because of people's dedication to those songs. And it's so weird to, to think about and like break things down that way. But um it really could make or break a band, like how people are listening and how frequently they're listening and how many like hollow followers they have. Like it just yeah. looks off when a band has 2 million Spotify or 2 million Instagram followers in a thousand plays on Spotify. Like it just doesn't translate, you know? Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, it's funny. I'm going to dog on, on the kids that are doing it, I guess, but it's funny because like, if that's your, your thought process to like, oh, this will lead to me getting a PR deal and a a label. Those guys know what to look for. They're going to see that discrepancy in the numbers and be like, "Mm, not for us, you know, like, yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that there's not some merit to, you know, paid advertising, like you're talking about. I haven't done it with the podcast or anything yet, but it's something that I've looked into because like paid ads are much different than purely buying a, a follower yeah paid paid ads is literally you telling the program the social media platform whatever like take this thing and put it in front of these types of people and then it's up to those types of people to either like you or or not so um do ads not not followers is my life lesson for people there but yeah uh, for for you like you mentioned you know some songs that are are hanging on uh maybe past when you feel like they should I'm looking at the Spotify numbers. Do you know your number one song right now? It's it's either Three's Company or Fever. It fluctuates. It's Three's um, Company by about 600,000 listens right now. Yeah. 
every so often every so often fever will uh will end up on a so this is crazy it will end up on a workout playlist Mm. and then it will flip for that amount of time that it's on there um like for forever our number two playlist was gold's gym uh washington because like i guess that song just exists at a tempo and uh a key that like is good for working out or it's like the workout what the workout playlist uh look for right Uh, so every so often it'll switch but i think three's company is normally number one but what's crazy about that is that hasn't been on on a spotify editorial since maybe the third month it was out so it just all those plays are coming from like people who like the song first and foremost but like the new listens come from spotify radio and discover weekly which is crazy that like so many people are still listening to that song six years later that it's still tripping algorithms and like crushing new music that we're putting out. It's so crazy. Yeah, it is. It's, and it's, I think for me, that song specifically, I mean, I remember listening to it when it came out too. So there's already, yeah, there's already some nostalgia built into it, but it's such a nostalgic song, even for a first listener that it's like, Oh, I, I feel like I know this band not yeah. in a negative way where it's like, oh, this is cookie cutter. Just in a, like, it feels like home in the pop punk world. So I think that's what is, like, our secret sauce as a band. Um, we have all this modern production and all these layers on top. But when you really break down the songs, a lot of them acoustically play, like, early 2000s pop punk music. And uh, a lot of us have post-hardcore backgrounds. So there's like elements of like they're they're more tonal than what uh, a knocked loose song would be, you know. But yeah. like <laughs> they do have the dynamic of a breakdown, and we do, our influences are very obvious. Um, if I hear that I sound like Patrick Stump or Brendan Urie one more time, my head will probably explode. But uh, I think it it's it kind of helps that people are like, oh, this is familiar, but I've never heard it before. It takes me back to a time. And like when I think about playing music, I feel the same way now about music that I did when I was running home after middle school to watch TRL and like hear the new Fall Out Boy song before it was on the record or on the radio or whatever. Like I was yeah. like, oh, the new song's gonna premiere today. I have to be home. I'm so excited about chasing that feeling. And like as soon as I got to the level where I felt like I was making music, that was I'll go back to the word competitive. Uh I love bumping my own shit. <laughs> like I, yeah. I love getting that feeling when I hear the thing and uh, and like it came together in the way that we wanted to and sometimes even better. Um, I think that's awesome. Like I think it's weird if you make music and you never listen to your own music. Like yeah, you should. Like what's the point of making it if you can't enjoy it? You know. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know, for me, you mentioned TRL. Like I miss those golden days because like we're you know of the same age group TRL, vh1 like behind the music all that sort of shit like yeah we knew if kurt loader showed up on mtv we were going to hear some bad news like somebody in the industry had died type thing like fuck um but uh who is it the home team just released their new single louder and in that music video towards the end, they do like the old VH1 pop-up video type stuff. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I miss that so much. Like Dude. it was such a random thing. <laughs> Speaking of uh, that music video and uh, going back to 
the powerhouse that is Florida music and art. Uh, Sam Link did that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sam is from, we're we're from the same town. Well, I'm originally from Long Island, but I grew up uh, in Kissimmee. Yeah. Uh, And we grew up in the same town. And to go back to that Coyote Theory band, uh, he had started doing video and stuff for Sleeping with Sirens and all this stuff. And Sam just started like hooking him up with videos because he knew that that was going to be like a band that was going to blow up. Um, and he worked on that home team video. And it's so crazy to see someone who just dedicated themselves to the craft and came from a place of like, I help you out, you help me out, and let's just make something cool. And now he's like, I I, uh, I worked a, I, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this before, I'm a barber. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked my buddy's wedding and he was in the wedding party. And I was just talking to him about what he's doing now. And I was like, holy crap, like, the people that you're making connections with and the things that you're doing all that started like in downtown Kissimmee is like so crazy to me. Um, so it's not just the musicians who are making it out. It's the videographers, it's the photographers. It's, it's, I don't know how we all got here, but we sure are lucky, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk for a little bit about the new album drops February 23rd, according to the release that uh, Tori gave me uh, when it touches the heart, everything resolves. So something I don't do anymore uh, is ask the specifics of any song because I don't want to take away the meaning that anybody connects to it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, if it's your love song, it's your love song. If it's about, you know, the singer kicking his dog, you don't want to hear that and fuck up your yeah. song. So, <laughs> um, but for you, like writing this record, you know, prepping the new music and really wanting to put people back you know we just touched on the nostalgia like putting people back in this mindset of like i'm i'm comfortable here i'm safe here type of a vibe what was it like you know getting everything together you said you know it's four five different mixes depending on the song yeah how does it feel now that it's it's finished and it's almost ready to come out like is that imposter syndrome coming up a little bit now um i think record one or EP one, whatever, it's eight songs, so I don't know that I want to call it a full LP. Yeah. But that felt like imposter syndrome. Like, I'm this kid who just signed a record deal. I just quit my job that I had since I was 16 to go on tour. Um, I was, it, it was all coming so fast. Um, I didn't feel like I had, just, I had earned it yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we're doing DIY tours and I'm taking two weeks off of work when I have no money. Like I'm, I'm putting the work in for sure. Um, but we worked on this for so long and it's so, not that the last record wasn't sincere, but it was so angsty. It was, uh, it was so reactionary and this is so much more thoughtful that, uh, while Wilt was like a scream, like, (laughs) like, uh, this is so much more, cathartic and thoughtful and put together and like i really made sure uh that i said exactly what i wanted to say exactly how i wanted to say it and was authentically myself not in a way that like this is just my raw emotion and i'm throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks it's more uh this is how i would like to project myself to the world and be perceived as an artist and what I want to share with people versus what I want to scream because I'm frustrated. Um, so I don't really think about it as like imposter syndrome even because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm coming from a real place. 
Um, yeah. The whole like people listen to my music thing is kind of weird. And I don't think it will ever not be weird uh, because like I said earlier, deep down in my core, I'm still that 10 year old who wants to hear the new song or, or whatever, discover music. Um, but this feels so much more intentional than anything else that I've ever been a part of. So I am so excited like for it to not be just mine anymore. Like the release of reunion was the first single we put out for this record. Mm -hmm. I've heard that mix 500 times, so many times, but there was a moment where I'm in my car and driving to work. Um, and I realized like, Oh, like this is out now. It's not just a clip on TikTok. It's not just an idea in my head. Like this is out. And, uh, I listened to it on Spotify and my my partner actually designed the the single artwork and it has all these references to things that have happened in our career, uh, giving reverence to certain artists, uh, just like up some Easter egg stuff in there. And I remember just like looking at it and hearing like the first like drum fill and like just not a heavy cry, but just like a single cry because yeah. like we've, we fun or a single tear because we finally put it out. Like it's there. It feels good that it's out and I'm not afraid of what someone's going to think because I know what I think and I know what I meant. And it just, it feels so good. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's a really powerful thing, you know, cause I think a lot of times, you know, again, I've been doing this for 20 years. So I've had these conversations where artists create this, this body of work. And then there's obviously the like nervousness to put it out there in the world a lot of times. Cause what will people think? Is it going to do anything? Is it going to just piss people off? Like whatever. Um, but when you can kind of come to terms with the fact that it's, yeah, I made this piece of art. I'm going to show it to everybody else, but I only care about what it means to me. Yeah. I would like for other people to like it, but at the end of the day, I like it. I don't care. Yeah. And I think to, to build on that, we have way more in common with everyone that I think we give ourselves credit for. Um, while everybody's experience is unique and different, there are so many things that are relative and so many things that are essential to making us human. Uh, so like you said, you don't like asking about specific songs because if the singer meant it one way and, and to the other person it's their love song or whatever, um, that might throw the listener off or whatever the case is but it's so cool that I could say words and sing words and like use an inflection and a key and it will convey emotion. And whether it's the same emotion that I'm having uh, or not, it's fine because at the end of the day, we're all feeling and we're all expressing. Uh, I said in another interview um, earlier this week, someone asked me what, how I want people to listen to the record for the first time. And uh, this whole experience, I've always said, uh, this record is crying while dancing. It's uh, it's supposed to feel cathartic. It's supposed, supposed to feel big and small. Like I want people to lay out on their bed, sprawled out and like feel the weight of everything that's happening. I want people to scream. I want people to just like, whatever helps you most authentically feel like yourself while you're listening to this record. That's what I want people to do because this, body of work is the thing that has made me feel most authentically like myself because it's the first time I've written art from the or written songs and made art from the place where I am now. And I feel like right now I'm the most realized version of myself personally. Um, 
And that's just like fucking cool, dude. Like to, I think that's where the ego part comes into play. Like in a weird way, I I have more ego on this record because I'm so comfortable with who I am. And I, yeah. I love that that's going to be out there. And like, I hope that some of these songs empower people to like be more publicly themselves and be more honest and to try and be more real. Like, uh, so the first the first lyrics on the record, the first I don't know if you got sent it or if you listened to it. I haven't got to listen to it yet, but she did uh-huh. send me the link. So right on. Um, so the first lyric on the record is uh I found God on my birthday in an open field some odd years ago. We were tripping on acid by my parents' house. Um and when you read it on paper, it's like, what the fuck? Like, what <laughs> yeah. is this guy talking about? But like I wanted the record to start there very specifically because so when it touches the heart everything resolves what it basically boils down to is as long as you're leading with love um you might feel lost sometimes and things might feel weird but everything's gonna be okay like you're gonna end up in the place that you need to be as long as you're passionate and loving and caring and you feel like you're doing the right thing um and the record starts at a place where like i don't know where the right i don't know what the right thing is i don't know um what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it. I'm like doing drugs, like so many drugs. I'm so lost. And then like throughout the record, you kind of get this journey of like the ups and the downs where I am and where I think I am, how I felt displaced, how I felt at home in certain places. Um, And then it goes on from there. I won't spoil the record, but um, (laughs) it's just, it's cool, dude. Like I've never, I've never felt comfortable with myself. And I think it's a lot of people in punk. A lot of people in emo, a lot of people in alternative. It's existence is while relative, also weird. Um, being a human is kind of fucked up and crazy. Um, <laughs> like, so it's it's cool to uh feel the least fucked up about being alive that I've ever felt, you know. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Sorry, I'm rambling about it. No, no, it, you're you're totally fine. I, I think there's a couple things I want to touch on there because you're right, like existing is fucking bizarre um dude it's so what are we (laughs) right right well and like for me uh this will be a conversation for for us at another time but um so i had a near-death experience through the pandemic and you know coming (laughs) coming back (laughs) coming yeah coming back from that it's like holy shit like i knew life was weird before yeah but when you're that close to death's door it's like you have this whole new perspective and it sounds so cliche, but like there, there have been nights in the last almost three years now, since it happened where I just lay awake staring at the ceiling. Cause I can't wrap my head around what it is to be alive. So I've only shared this with uh, Matt Burns or A&R because I was like, I was like, did Tad, Tad Martin, the guy who did our album artwork. Um, I asked him, I was like, did Tad listen to the record? before he made the artwork he was like no he knows the lyrics because he put them on the insert but i don't think he's listened to the record maybe the singles or whatever and i was like that's crazy because it's not out publicly yet but if you have apple music you can see it because it's set up for the 23rd um the album artwork is this like swirl of pink and orange and uh I had a near death experience where like, like I said, at the beginning of the record, I was doing all the drugs 
Um, and I just had a moment where like, I legitimately thought I was having a heart attack, had to go, I'll make this a short story because I could talk about this for in a whole other podcast. Um, Which we'll I definitely to, do. We'll link up. To that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to ask my mom to drive me to the hospital. And she was like, why? And I was like, I've been doing a lot of drugs and I don't know which one of them is doing this to me. So I'm like, so, so sorry. Yeah. Um, and then I'm in the hospital bed. And the next thing I know, out, light at the end of the tunnel, all these swirls of pink and orange and yellow and all this stuff. And when I, when I saw the album artwork, I was like, this is fucked up because there are songs that relate indirectly to that near-death experience. Um, and like, those were the colors that I saw. And I was like, that's so crazy that like someone like got a snippet of the art and like, just like somehow got this connection and was like, uh, Oh yeah, these colors. And I was like, how did he do that? And Matt goes, he just followed the vision board. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay, cool. And I was like, all right, I just admitted to my friend that I did a lot of drugs and almost died. <laughs> like that's what part right. of the record is about. Um, but it's it's so it's wild. It's wild. Existence it, is weird. It, but sorry, I cut no, you off. No, no, you're no, you're totally fine. And that's basically what I was was gonna say about it too, is like existence is just it's fucking weird. And, you know, there's, um, I'm going to forget his fucking name. Now there's a comedian where he, um, I want to say it's Peter something now, but I can't remember. Anyway, it, he's talking about, it was Pete Holmes. And he Love talks him. about, uh, you know, you think you're on earth right now, like zoom out because in the grand scheme of things, we are fucking nothing. Like Dude, life makes no sense. He taught, yeah, he has a this joke line that he's doing is um, how life makes no sense. Like, we're all made of molecules, but science can't explain why when I knock my hand against a stool, those molecules don't, like, mix together. Why yeah. don't we, like, there's so much shit. We just, literally, scientists go, I don't know. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, how are we okay with that? <laughs> um, so I have two kids. My son is seven, and he's in uh, he's in the age of inquisition. You know, like he always yeah. wants to know. He always wants to ask, and he's smart. Like I'm so screwed. Like he's he's a very <laughs> smart, uh, a literally gifted child. Um, and we're driving the other day to the gas station. We've been in the car for all of five minutes. Um, and his sister falls asleep immediately. He goes, Dad where do humans come from? And I was like, oh, no. Like, I'm not prepped for this at right. all. Um, about at seven like, years oh. old. Come on. Yeah. I was like, I was like, dude, like, I thought I had six years. <laughs> like, yeah. And I don't know, like, how he means the question. Right. So I was like, what do you think, bud? And he goes, well, dinosaurs, cavemen, probably cave kids before cavemen. I'm like, oh, he's coming from, like, someone explained evolution to him, yeah. and he's trying to piece it together. And I was like, yeah, a lot of people think that. And then he goes, what do you think? And I was like, <laughs> I try not to think about it, because if I did think about it, I would think about it all the time, and I would probably never stop. And then he goes, I think about it a lot. And I was like, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> like He's yeah. like a, a philosopher at seven. Like, so, uh, what a, what a what a world, what a life. So yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. 
Um, so as we we transition to the end here, I do think that we're going to link up for another podcast and we'll we'll go down those you know near death experiences and yeah talk about some of that because I I run another podcast I don't know if Tori told you uh, called Musicians for Mental Health and I okay. think that'd be great to you know talk about what that you know does to your psyche and how yeah dude you cope I would love with to that do. sort of stuff so for sure. Um, but as we transition to the end, I refuse to think about her questions. So I bought this game called hot takes. It's just okay. a bunch of shitty fucking opinion questions. And we're going to go through yeah. a couple and agree, disagree. We can expand on some, whatever. Um, the first one is if you drink all of the Kool-Aid from the Kool-Aid man, he will live. I think it depends. Do you believe that the Kool-Aid man is the pitcher or is he the, the Kool-Aid inside? The Kool-Aid man is the pitcher, but the Kool-Aid is his soul. Mm. Yeah. So if you drink all the Kool-Aid, then he will still be animated, but uh, will be very dull. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We got a little uh, philosophical right there. (laughs) (laughs) I was warmed up. I was primed for that. Right. Right. Uh, Let's see. Um, Everyone has a soulmate. I don't know how that's a hot take. Um, I don't think it's always a romantic soulmate, but I think everybody has somebody else on the planet that is meant to be in their life. I agree. I don't, I don't agree with that in the sense that there's only one person. That's fair. Um, but I do think there are like people that you're destined to meet. Like I've, I've known my best friend since we were 11. Uh, yeah. Like we often joke that our friendship is old enough to buy cigarettes. <laughs> so um <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, I would agree that there's just some people that you're going to meet no matter what. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Absolutely fair. Uh, this one's funny because I had a band on that we discovered the female lead singer is okay with peeing in pools. This one is, it's totally okay to pee in the shower. Yeah. Right? You're already yeah. rinsing off and everything. Who cares? Yeah, dude. I mean, like, try not to pee on your feet, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> Let's let's be let's be civilized about it. But right. yeah, right. sure. Now I I'll take it a step further. It is not okay to shit in the shower and try to like stomp it down the drain. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. No, that's yeah, not at all. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then let's do for the last one. You know, I'm gonna use it. Cancel culture has gotten out of hand. That's a loaded one for sure. It is, um, and that's that's why I said I'm gonna fucking do it now. Cause <laughs> why so, not, right? Here, you want my mine while you're formulating yours. I think yeah. cancel culture has gotten out of hand in the sense that we get upset about too many little things and don't focus on the big things that we should be worried about. Yeah, um, it's such a. It's so gray. It's so black and white at the same time. Yes. There are there are certain things that people do, and we all know what they are, that are uh, that are grounds to say people don't feel safe knowing that you are this kind of person and do this sort of thing. However, there are things, and we also know what those are, uh, that are forgivable and people make mistakes. Um for example, um, I did a lot of drugs, a lot, like 
some people would say that I was an addict, like that I was addicted to drugs. I don't know that necessarily I would. Some people would say that. Um, if someone were to portray me in a negative light and then say he did a lot of drugs and like that was the what they were leaning on, mm-hmm. I don't think that I should be canceled for doing drugs. Right. Um, but some people might deem that as a cancelable offense. And the way that things are worded and pitched, et cetera, um, can make it seem worse than it is. If you abuse someone, get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like you're donezo. Like, this, especially in our scene, all spaces should be safe spaces. Yes. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of people that I think have been very justly um, exiled and voted mm-hmm. off the island, and that is fine with me. Um, but I also think we need to leave room for people who are not necessarily hurting others to be forgiven and work on themselves. And right. the people who get canceled for r- real reasons, just reasons, like big problems, like should also be working on themselves. I don't think yep. that you should be outcast from society and then just go, well, I'm going to keep being shitty. Like you sh- that should be that should be a signal for change if someone is right. saying, "Hey, the things that you have done are unforgivable and reprehensible." Like um but if you accidentally called someone something mean, uh, like if I called you a dumb dumb, right. I don't think I should get canceled for that. Especially if I didn't mean it in my heart of hearts. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah, it's that's such such a loaded question. That's that's a toughie to answer. Because then I go back and I think like, no, nah, fuck that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> canceled. Yeah, um, but I, I think part of it too is that society has changed so much over the years as well so like what is acceptable we've adjusted our definitions of a lot of those things so you know thinking about comedians not that all those jokes should have been made at the time but like shock comedy was a thing for a very long time 100 percent. and to dig back you know 20 years 30 years on somebody and be like well remember when he made this joke and it's like okay but that was 30 years ago like yeah come on um I also think there's a there is a gap in accountability to where I think a lot of people are afraid to have these conversations early. Like, yes. hey, friend, you are exhibiting behaviors that are not chill, um, and we need to do something about that. As your friend, I would like to hold you accountable. Um, and then a lot of these, uh, I feel like in our scene. I'm not saying every time, but a lot of the times it is uh, these man, child, babies who exist in, uh, I sometimes refer to it as Neverland. Mm -hmm. You get into a successful band when you're 17, 18, all your life is taken care of. Every single part of your day is planned. All of a sudden you don't have accountability. Everybody you meet loves you. And depending on what kind of person you are, you might think like, maybe I could start getting away. With a, with a little bit more or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, I think those guys need to be checked. <laughs> like, I think that if someone is doing something sketchy or even just, like, has an air of something sketchy, you should have people around you who are able to go, like, hey, dude, this is starting yeah. to look not chill and I want to make sure that you're okay as a person and that, like, it doesn't get worse. Um so it's it's crazy. And I, I feel like I feel so 
I don't, I don't, I don't know how to put a word on it, but I feel the way I feel because I've had so many people in my life through music that I thought were wonderful, wonderful people, and then ended up being dirt balls. <laughs> um, and it's because like no one ever held them accountable. So then they just kind of like work through the system and everybody thinks they're this like charming person. And then someone finally gets the balls to go, they're not nice. <laughs> like they're yeah. evil. They are mean. Um, so it's just, I don't think it, it works the way that people would like for it to work. Right. Um, and on the other side of that coin, I get feeling helpless and like, this is the only thing that you could do. And like, it's, I feel like a lot of the times when people do, um, I don't want to say like seek out to cancel someone, but tell their side of the story Mm -hmm. or um, let people know that someone is doing something that's not cool. It really is like, this is all I feel like I can do. It's like a move of desperation might not be the right word, but like, I feel so lost and alone in this and I just need to let people know. So it's like the Hail Mary of like, this happened to me, this happened around me, this person needs help and to be held accountable and they haven't and I don't like it. Um, So where a system has failed us and where uh, accountability is lacking, I do think parts of it are necessary. Yeah. 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 I agree with everything you said there. And I think, you know, to just piggyback it for a second, I I think the, the key is like you said, the accountability, making sure that they understand like, Hey, this thing, whatever it may be, is not the right way that you should be as a human being. Um, But I, I think too, like, unfortunately the overcorrection is let's cancel them instead of, Hey, this is the wake up call. Like, let's try to help first. That's the part that I think I get frustrated with is we immediately go to fuck them. They should be out of society and certain ones. Absolutely. Like we know who those people are, but sometimes it's like, instead of fuck them, get them out of society. Why isn't it like, Hey man, let's sit down and let's talk about this. Let's get you the help that you need. So I think this conversation specifically, like between the two of us is very important. Uh, Not saying you are, I, you or I are like, icons or like massive celebrities or whatever but i do think that it is important that people who have any sort of influence um any sort of platform any sort of uh situation where people have eyes on them it is important that at the very least we display behaviors and behave in such a way that people look to us as an example because most people are not being looked at. Most people can go through life and like they know their coworkers, their family, their friends, whatever. But the fact that someone will watch this that neither of us know means that we have a responsibility to uh, hold ourselves to a higher regard and an esteem so that people know this podcast is a safe space. Uh, a Harm Over Show is a safe space. Um, these are the things that should be reflected in the values that should be had in the way that we should conduct ourselves in alternative spaces, in DIY, in punk, whatever. Um, and it's such an important conversation. And so many people are afraid to have that conversation 
because they don't want to piss someone off or they don't want to say the right thing. Like even me right now, I'm kind of like searching for the words to make sure that it's landing yeah. exactly the way that I want it to land. Um, but yeah, it's that's such a loaded question. There's so <laughs> that's that's a third podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean? we can definitely um, do that. And uh, like I've not that thing specifically, not necessarily cancel culture specifically, but one of my my ideas for a podcast coming up at some point is doing kind of a panel type of thing where like, let's get five, six, seven of us on a call and let's talk out these types of issues. And like, so that, like you said, so that when people that we don't know, see it can go, okay. Like these guys are talking it through, like they're, they're leading us a little bit, but like, I need to have these conversations in my life too. Like, where is that line for me? What does that look like? Um, But yeah, Definitely think, you know, we've got more conversations that we can have for sure. So um, to kind of transition to the the final, final segment uh, is the traditional outro, man. Take as long as you need. I'll obviously link all the socials and stuff, but promote your stuff. Tell them where to find you, how to interact, all that fun stuff. Do you know when this will come out? This will be going out. Give me a second and I'll tell you. It'll be before the album, if that's what you're worried about. Um, This will be going out on... January 3rd. Cool. Um, when it touches the heart, everything resolved comes out February 23rd on Smart Punk Records. Um, it will be available for pre-order on January 30th, which is the same day that our third single, Out of Body, comes out. Out of Body is my favorite song that I've ever written, ever, ever, ever. Um, it is a it is a coming of age song, and I feel like it encompasses every it encompasses everything that we kind of talked about earlier in the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and shake it off in a reunion are out now. Um, so out of body will be out in a couple weeks. The record a few weeks after that. Um, we may or may not have announced a very cool release show. Uh, by the time this comes out maybe maybe not we'll see but uh that'll be super cool um look out for hungover in places uh in 2024 um a lot of stuff is not announced yet we're very very excited about being back yeah Yeah, hungover band on everything yeah sweet i'm looking forward to it um like i said i i'd listened to to wilt back in the day and i think I was looking over the Spotify, like I know I've listened to the other, uh, the EPs and and stuff. And I'm just like, I think that I caught you guys like right as Wilt dropped. Yeah. Like fully dropped. So, um, but I've never got to see you guys live. So that's going to fucking happen. Hopefully in 2024. Where are you at? Uh, About an hour North of Indianapolis. So if it's Indianapolis, Chicago, Cincinnati, uh louisville kentucky detroit michigan i can be there in three to four hours tops okay. and that's totally doable for me so anywhere in the midwest basically i got you we'll, we'll we'll figure something out we'll get we'll get you to a gig yeah um but yeah dude i'll follow you and stuff after this and yeah. uh I, i'm curious to hear what you think about the record because i feel like i feel like we have a lot in common yeah for sure and i'll definitely be checking it out like i said i just haven't had time yet Tori got me the link, uh, but I do plan on writing a, a review for it and everything too. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. man. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. I've had a great time talking to you. We'll definitely stay in touch because I really want to do that mental health episode with you um, and go down that road. So yeah, looking forward to it. Let's stay in touch. And I'm, I'm stoked for 2024 for what hungover can, can really take the world by storm. And thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. All right. See ya. See ya. And that was my conversation with Mark from the band hungover. Huge shout out to him for taking the time to have that conversation with me and just being so cool and and open about those topics. I mean, whether we're talking about the other bands in the scene and and kind of giving them their flowers to some extent, um, all the way to kind of touching on and starting the conversation around his near-death experience uh, which we are going to link up and do a Musicians for Mental Health episode with Mark um, and talk about some of that stuff too. Um, but yeah, the the new album is going to be fucking dope. I have had a chance to listen to it since talking to Mark, and it is fucking dope. You guys are going to be really, really into it, I think. Um, it's called When the Heart... Sorry. When It Touches the Heart, Everything Resolves. Uh, and that drops in February, like we were talking. So be prepared for that. Um, and yeah, I just think that them coming back, the hiatus ending for hungover in this moment, um, and being able to move forward and have new music ready to go. And the the scene in the position that it's in now, I think they're finally going to get the recognition they deserve as well. Um, and for, you know, anybody that knows me, it's not just me blowing smoke up or, or whatever, just because Mark was, you know, on the show and this is their episode or anything like that. You know, I, I really, um, talk true about the bands that, that I enjoy. So hungover is one of them. And I think that their 2024 should be one of the strongest years the band has ever seen. And hopefully, you know, that means some really cool, um, opportunities and potential life changes for them, uh, obviously in positive ways. So, that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. As always, obviously, I'll have all the socials and everything linked for Hungover. Be sure you go give them a like, share, subscribe, follow on all of their channels. Um, but yeah, that's everything for this episode. So glad that you guys have stuck with me through this podcast. It's been such a, a great time and, um, you know, just looking forward to 2024 bringing more and more guests, maybe bigger guests, um, in, in some facets, but also still love supporting the scene and in all its kind of glory. And whether that band maybe only has, you know, a couple hundred monthly listeners on Spotify or a couple million. Um, my goal is to, to have them on the podcast and, you know, share these stories that you guys can appreciate and get a better understanding of who some of these bands are. So 
That's everything, guys. Thank you so much. As always, please go share, subscribe, follow, like the post, all that sort of stuff. Um, it goes a very, very long way. So remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.